have with me today uh, the executive director uh, and a former police officer like me of an organization that is so important to the law enforcement profession that I wanted to bring her on to make sure that everyone out there understands how important this organization is. It's called the Concerns of Police Survivors. And welcome to the show, Diane. We really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So uh, let's get right to it. Um, first and foremost, uh, you, you were a police officer. How did you get involved in COPS? Yeah, so I was a police officer in the Columbia, Missouri Police Department, um, which is where the University of Missouri is. That's what most people think of when they think of Columbia. Um, but yeah, I was a police officer there. And um, in 2005, um, you know, we had went through, I was several years into my career at that point, and we had went through career, our whole career thinking that nothing, you know, really was going to happen to us in Columbia, Missouri. We're a very rural, Midwest, um, safe community. And, uh, and then the unthinkable happened. On January 10th, actually, we're coming up on the anniversary of January 10th, a dear friend and coworker, uh, her name is Molly Bowden, and she was uh, stopping a car on a traffic stop, we think stopping him for speeding or something, uh, you know, fairly routine traffic offense, and um, he got out of the car and immediately started shooting at her, and uh, she was not able to return fire, and then he stood over her and shot her multiple times, and, um, you know, she was fortunate enough and we were fortunate enough that she was able to get some medical assistance and for the next 30 days we spent a lot of time um, preparing for what was about to happen which was uh, we lost Molly on February 10th of 2005 and um, losing a co-worker in the line of duty as I'm sure you're aware is a is absolutely a life-changing experience and our uh, agency you know was our first line of duty death and we would have done anything for Molly's family and we did as much as that we could do and um, but uh, one of the things that happened is about nine or 10 months after Molly was killed, her dad um, was in the police department because they're huge supporters of us and they became our family. But her dad was in the police department and um, he caught me in the hallway and he stopped me and he said, uh, Diane, I just want to tell you about this great experience I just had. And he goes, I went to this retreat for other parents of uh, police officers who had died in the line of duty through this organization called COPS. And uh, he goes, you know, I think it saved my life. He said it was the first time I laughed again, or I was with other people that actually got and understood how painful a process was to not only lose your child, but to lose it, lose your child in such a public uh, atmosphere, you know, through in your community. And, um, I, and I remembered that. And so as I went through my career and I, and I progressed and I, you know, I thought that I was going to go be a police chief of police somewhere, you know, I really thought that was my career goal. And, um, as I was getting ready to, to make that transition, I started looking and I, and I found this, uh, this advertisement on the IACP, the chief of police's website, and it talked about this organization called COPS. And I instantly went back to Dave Thomas Molly's dad. And uh, I thought, you know what, there's a reason I saw this ad. And I went down and talked to the founder of COPS, Susie Sawyer, amazing lady. And uh, once you talk to her, there's no way you're ever going to tell her no, because she just got <laughs> that huge personality. And uh, I walked in the door and I knew that I'd walked into my, my next career, my next purpose. And uh, I directly relate that back to uh, Molly uh, that night and, and just, you know, my way to pay back what cops did for Molly's family. 
See, and that's the thing. And I, as you and I talked about off air, I, uh, I told Molly's story in my officer survival classes for many, many years. And, and she was a, a lovely, talented young woman. She has a, a terrific family who continues to be involved in. And that's the thing. When we lose an officer in the line of duty, um, we're very good in the law enforcement profession at um, honoring our dead, burying our dead. And then we all sort of go back to our lives to kind of lick our own wounds. And yet we leave behind these family members and friends right. who are left to struggle with this, this kind of very specific grief. And, and, you know, now in 2021, we talk a lot about uh, police officer mental health and, and it's not just for the uh, officers, but also for their families. And that's what COPS does. Now you have programs for parents, for spouses, for children, for coworkers. Talk a little bit about the, the things that you offer. Yeah, so the initial thing that we'll do is right after there's a loss, there'll be a chapter. We have 55 chapters around the country and they'll respond and connect with that agency and then hopefully connect with that family very early on. Um, so, you know, as that spouse goes through that public uh, funeral and their and their public grieving, they have somebody that's been there and done that before to help them through that process. So that's a really big piece of it. And so then from there, we have programs for them. It's from National Police Week and organizing them being able to get to D.C. to see their officer's name being put on that memorial wall in D.C. Um, COPS is a big part of that. And then we turn around and um, have programs for all the different survivor types from parents to siblings to spouses and kids and teens. And I can go on and on and on. But every type that you think of, we have a program for um, where they're actually just brought together and we found out early on the same concept that that works in police departments where if you put one peer with another peer that gets there gets them and knows where they went have went through you put them in the same room and they start to feel better you know we have a lot of programming for them um, i'm going to give you a little secret um, cops is a kind of a sad organization because of the um i guess cops is uh, it, people are a part of cops because of a um, sad event um, but cops is not a sad organization in that um, once those survivors get together and they can work through their grief, they find lifelong friends and connections. And uh, there's a lot of laughing and a lot of uh, laughing for the first time for a lot of them, much like Dave Thomas told me. So um, those hands-on programs are hugely valuable to survivors and to coworkers of fallen officers. Now, you have an annual training conference that I have trained at and attended. And, mm -hmm. and just like you said, it's it's we do a lot of serious work at the conference. But we have a lot of fun meeting with our peers, meeting with different survivors, and talking about everything else from, uh, you know, uh, mental health to moving on with your life. Um, talk about the 2021 conference, would you, for a second? Yeah. So we found that several years ago, about five or six years ago, we have to, have to we do a lot of we do a lot of training for law enforcement. So we were at these trainings, and we were hearing officers talk about all these um, issues that they're having just in their career, just dealing with the normal trauma that every police officer is gonna experience. And they didn't really have an outlet and they didn't really have a place that they trusted that they could go and, and talk to someone. And, and there was so many different needs that they had that we decided to put together this conference, which is all about the officer's wellness um, from the time they're a, a new rookie to the time they retire and beyond. And 
Um, so we put together this conference that has topics that surround all anything you can think of, financial awareness um, and, and strategies and peer support and, and dealing with the loss and responding to, you know, the cumulative trauma that you have throughout your career and how to support your family that's going through the career with you. So we came up with this conference and uh, we're in year six coming in in 2021 and we're going to be in Oklahoma City, uh, November, I'm looking at my paper here, 12th through the 14th. Um, so yeah, we're super excited about it. It's really every year it's grown and uh, we always bring uh, much like yourself, some great presenters that come in and, and just uh, they're experts in the field and we just facilitate it. We don't say we're the experts, we just facilitate and logistics is what we do. So now one of the things that's unique to cops is um, you do programming for kids. And, and sometimes when we're talking about a, a loss of a police officer, you know, um, the kids, you know, they get some attention at the funeral and things like that. And, and then that's kind of about it. And they're kind of left to go on with their life. You know, they, yes, they know that their parent died as a hero, but you do some very specific things for kids, including your camps to help them recover. Can you, can you discuss that a minute? Um, yes, we do provide services for kids. Um, if it's okay with you, I'm going to tell you a little story that kind of illustrates why it's important for these kids, but our kids camp is for ages six to 14. And I was at my first kids camp, um, gosh, it would have been like six or seven years ago now. And there's a little boy, I'm going to call him Alex, that um, was, had just been to his counseling session, which if you can imagine is all six-year-old children in a room that have all lost a parent in the line of duty. And, um, and they talk through the, the different things that kids at that age would want to talk through. So we were going, we were going to lunch and he was walking alongside me. Actually, he was skipping because he was six. I was walking. And I'm holding his hand a little bit here and there. And, and I, and I turned to him and I said, I said, Alex, I said, How, how's kids camp going for you so far? So far? How, you know, what do you like best about kids camp? And he looked up at me and he said to me, he goes, Miss Diane, cause he was a very polite little six year old. So Miss Diane, he goes, what I like best is here. Everybody's dad died. Wow. And, um, and it just, I think it just hit me, um, that how important that was to him because it's not like that anywhere else in his life. And, uh, I was talking to his mom a little bit later and I told him, told her what Alex had said. And she, she talked about how in kindergarten class, which he had just finished, um, that she had gotten a call from the teacher because he was trying to talk about his dad um, being shot in the line of duty in the head in the classroom and that they had to figure out a strategy of how they could have that not happen in the kindergarten classroom. So Alex had no other outlet to talk to other little kids. And so through cops, he got that outlet and it was very normalized for him. And um, he just felt better by that. So that's, that's really, it's peer support. It happens from age six all the way to age 70. So, and then of course we do camps for the, for the teenagers as well, 15 to 21. So that's, they're very different than the young kids, but obviously the same concept. Right, right. Oh gosh. And I tell you, COPS is also a huge part of National Police Week every, uh, every May in Washington, D.C. What do you do for the survivors who travel to D.C. to see their loved one's name put on that uh, National Memorial Wall and uh, spend a few days, again, with other survivors, with other police officers, um, honoring those we lost? What does COPS do? Yeah, so from very early on after the officer's death, we're in contact with the agencies and those families to identify who all the family members are. You know, that in itself is a really big project. But once we put that together, we invite them to National Police Week. And then with our help of our chapters, 
we help them with that process of going from wherever they are in the country to DC into a hotel room with transportation provided. Um, they're greeted at the airport with an honor guard that will stand at attention for them as they get off the plane yeah. um, and help them with their luggage. And then they're escorted to the hotel. Um, and that's what COPS does, those logistic pieces. And then from there, we help them get to the main events at National Police Week, like the Candlelight Vigil, the National Law Enforcement Moral Fund hosts, um, and the uh, Fraternal Order Police's Memorial Service of the Capitol Lawn. And then we have our own survivors conference for them where they can literally get put in another room with someone who's very much like them, sometimes for the very first time. Um, and they just start that process of getting getting connected and learning that what they're going through is very normal given the circumstances that they're in at that time. And many of them don't feel like they are normal at that point. Um, but by the time they leave police week, there's a much different feeling. That's fantastic. So 2020, uh, 2020 actually was a terrible year for everyone. Yeah. Um, but it was a really difficult year for law enforcement uh, because we lost so many more officers in the line of duty um, because of COVID-19. We also are seeing officer ambushes and officer firearm deaths um, on the rise. Um, what are we gonna do about that moving forward? How is COPS involved in that? Yeah, so just to, to, to address the COVID-19 deaths, um, there has been, you know, we're, we're tracking over 300 police officers who have died from COVID. Um, not all of those will be in the line of duty, although a good percentage of them will be, um, meaning they, they're known to have contracted that somewhere on duty because they're not necessarily able to social distance like the rest of us could. Um, they have to go on those calls for service. They can't stay home and, and always socially distance like we were been asked to do. So um, unfortunately, those numbers are staggering. And, um, you know, the number of officers who died in 2020 um, if you go back years and years and years, it's been in the 70s since this high number of officers have, have died. And so um, that's a really big uh, challenge for cops. It's a really big challenge for this huge number of families and agencies that are now um, dealing with loss. Um, some, you know, for example, in the state of Texas, there's over 85 officers who have died in the line of duty this year. That's, those are huge numbers for, for any you know, law enforcement organization to, to try to even to make sure they're taking good care of those families, which I know they all want to do. Um, so the burden on um, just the sheer volume, we're at about a 50% increase for costs that we're responding to this year versus other years. So that's really big. And then the other thing that all everybody is dealing with is just that that kind of uncertainty and that unrest that's in the country. It's It's been a big challenge. It's a challenge for our survivors. If you can think about that, um, our survivors are some of the most uh, staunch supporters of law enforcement. And they've already been through a lot. And then they watch the profession that many of their officers died as a hero in um, being torn down. And that's very stressful. Um, and we also represent survivors of every, you know, a hugely diverse group, just as like law enforcement is hugely diverse group. And so we have survivors that are that are feeling all the tensions that we felt in 2020. So it's definitely been a challenge. And, uh, you know, I think it comes back down, down to try to do the right thing every single day you go to work. And um, that's what we're trying to do here at COPS as well. How has the, the defund the police or the anti-police movement um, affected an organization like COPS? You know, I think it's really just those, what I was just talking about, those survivor, you know, survivors that are trying their best to grieve right now at the same time that 
Um, some of them feel ostracized from their communities because of the, you know, some of the negativity towards law enforcement. So there's another layer of, of stress for those survivors. And then other survivors that are that are also looking at big picture of maybe there's some things law enforcement could have done better in the last year or two. And then how do they um, like marry that with, you know, knowing that that's what their officer did and, and ultimately died doing. So um, that's been really, you know, that's been really stressful um, for the survivors. Um, we have felt the support though. That's the, that's the big thing is we have really, even though 2020 has been a really hard year, we're, we're fortunate that we're still being supported by our donors and our, and our, and our public supporters that have supported us along the way. They have marched in step with us through this pandemic and, uh, we're going to come out on the other side. Okay. We we're going to be okay on the other side. It's just, we got to get there. Well, and that's one of the things that at the National Police Association, we're so um, thrilled because we have so many supporters of law enforcement. That's what we're trying to do is just help to educate supporters of, of law enforcement um, and, you know, talk about how they can help us and, and help their local law enforcement uh, officers and organizations and I'm sure you've heard some of the stories like we have about um, people, you know, doing, you know, having back the blue rallies and, and bringing, you know, pizza to the station and, and all that. What kind of stories have you heard about, about the support out there for law enforcement? So we've been, we've seen an amazing level of support from those people that are sometimes the, um, you know, more silent uh, majority, but that some of them have come out of the woodwork just to show us and show law enforcement that they are there for them. I think of those younger people that are out there right now. I, those are the stories that always get me of those uh, teens or, or young people that are doing things to organize to support law enforcement. And it makes you realize that the, you know, the future of the country is bright um, because of what we hear. It, it's really easy to get, get attached to the negativity that you see, um, but there's a whole lot of positivity out there too. Now, you do a lot of, uh, the organization does a lot of education for um, not just police survivors, but for law enforcement organizations, for uh, their administration, um, because it's very complicated sometimes when we're talking about a line of duty death. You know, if you're not involved in the law enforcement uh, profession, you think that's pretty cut and dry, whether somebody died in the line, you know, died in the line of duty. Um, but there's, there's a lot of bureaucracy, right? A lot of paperwork, a lot of hoops to jump through. Yeah. What kind of education does COPS provide to help organizations and municipalities um, and, of course, survivors navigate that whole complicated situation? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really great question. So we do a lot of training. Our, our training, our, our most important training is our, our signature uh, trauma to law enforcement training that we post all over the country. Um, but we do that because we know how important it is that however the agency responds to that line of duty death directly affects the grief pattern and stuff that survivor is going to have. You know, how, you know, you can't make the situation go away, but you can certainly make it worse, right? And so we, we try to teach like a little bit on the front end of like, here's some potential strategies. Should you have one? Here's a better way to do it than this. Uh, so we do a lot of training for law enforcement on how to respond to a line of duty death um, for not only for the family member survivors, but also for the coworkers who are often forgotten. So we spend a lot of time on that. 
Um, we also will help any agency or survivor to apply for benefits that are out there. Um, we have a grant from the Department of Justice um, that um, asks us to basically work with those survivors to you know, file for the public safety officer benefits and to assist in the education benefits that are out there. And then we provide a lot of our own benefits for survivors as well, scholarships and counseling, pay for and those sort of things as well. So a lot of that they learn about through training and the more word we can get out there, the more easy it is for our chapters who are the grassroots efforts that will respond um, when they go knocking on the agency's door after line of duty death. If that agency already knows about cops, it's a much smoother process than here's some stranger knocking on the door saying, I'm gonna help you with your line of duty death. And you and I both know, having come from law enforcement, how that's received sometimes. So it's really important for them to know like ahead of time that, okay, this is legitimate and I really need this. So, yeah. Uh, like you said in the beginning, this is not a, it's not a, a sad organization. It's very much an optimistic um, organization and, uh, and, you know, and I can tell just from talking to you, you're a really optimistic person. Um, and we really appreciate that. Well, the 20 has taken a hit on me, but yes, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken a hit on all of us, Diane. I, I'll tell you, we so appreciate you spending time with us. And uh, where can people find out more information uh, about concerns of police survivors? Yeah, there's a lot of information about all of our different services on, uh, on www.concernsofpolicesurvivors.org or com or any of those things you want to put there, you'll get to us. Um, yeah, go look at us on the on our Facebook pages or Instagram, LinkedIn. We're in all of those places that you would that you would find yourself. And uh, we'd love to hear from you if you want to get involved. Give us a call. Awesome, thank you so much. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, you can visit us at nationalpolice.org. This year, over 50,000 law enforcement officers have been assaulted while on duty. A vast number of these attacks were filmed and uploaded to social media in the pursuit of likes and attention. What they want to do is film you instead of like, what can I do to help this officer? Together, we can change this disturbing trend. If that individual would have hit the right spot, you know, it, it could have been it for me. You know, last time I would have saw my wife, my kids. I'm Mike Solon. Law enforcement officers need your support. If you see an officer under attack, then follow these simple steps in order to help. 1. Call 911 and give the officer's exact location. 2. Ask the officer if you can assist. If the officer accepts, then do whatever you can do to safely help. 3. If the officer declines, then start filming and be a good witness. It's time to stop filming and start helping.